Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, welcome to the Talk and Power podcast on 88.5 FM, where the valley comes alive. I'm co-host Nick DeCembri. I'm here with another co-host, Simon Gonzo-Travellini and Todd Brinkworth. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Nick, I think you're the host yeah, and we're the co-host. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> listen, many, many of you are... Uh... We're all co-hosts, guys. <laughs> we're all equal. We're all equal. Mm. Is this a communist thing, is it? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're all... Socialists. We're socialists. <laughs> anyway, many of you will be holidaying off to your various destinations, listening to this as you're driving along. Mm-hmm. And uh, from all of us at uh, Talk and Power, we want to make sure you get there and you get there safe. So just a few tips for you. that It's never too late to do this. Uh, check your fuel le- fluid levels, in particular your oil. Always consult to your... Um, uh, motor vehicles manual and the, the correct procedure so you don't, you don't get burnt um, and you actually know how to check the oil and water including the washer bottle which we did mention in the last episode we did yep um, check your tire pressures there's a little placard normally on the driver's side uh, sill uh, or in a in a door panel or mm-hmm. whatever you want to yep. refer to B pillar Mm-hmm. Yeah, the B pillar. B pillar. I'd call it the bottom of the bottom of the B pillar. Normally on the yeah the B pillar on the door, uh, and there'll be a tire placard that'll have the pressure, the correct pressure. It'll also say what tires are meant to be on it. Mm. So if it's a Commodore, it's probably completely useless to you, <laughs> particularly if it's from Balcata. But anyway, um, so check your tire pressures and and make sure you check your spare. A lot of people forget to check the spare, and then they get a puncture and you know, yeah, there's no spare anyway. Also, while you're there, check the tread on your tyres mm, and definitely. check the sidewall for cracks, any imperfections. If your wife's borrowed the car and curbed it, just have a quick look, you know, because the last thing you want to do is get a, get a puncture. Make sure you're well rested on these trips. Mm-hmm. You know, if you feel tired, pull over, have a rest, go for a walk, stretch your legs. Um, don't speed. We want you to get there in one piece, you know. And, and if you take a little bit longer to get there, it doesn't really matter. So uh, enjoy the trip with your family. Yep. Be patient. Be patient when you're, when you're on the roads too. Um, and, and, and check your lights. And, 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 you know, make sure that all your globes and your blinkers and everything work. And, and that's something I want to talk to you about too, Nick. You know, mm. To avoid road rage, yep. um, most modern vehicles have been fitted with this special device. It's called yep. an indicator. Yep. <laughs> So be sure to use it so that the person behind you knows what you're doing. I'm not completely convinced they they work in Western Australia or the cars that come to WA don't have indicators. Possibly they don't. I could have sworn they don't. The uh, blinker fluid might be topping up in some cases. (laughs) The what? The blinker fluid. The blinker fluid. (laughs) That's that's a lot of people's excuse, I think, in WA. I'm pretty sure the Australian design rules mandated blinkers, but I could be wrong. Yeah, not in WA, they haven't. Could be part of the new electric policy that Bill Shorten's bringing. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so have a safe trip wherever you're head, heading. That's certainly the case. From all yes. of us are talking about. Yep, yep. Drive safely. Keep keep uh, keep to the speed limit. Drop a couple of k's. It doesn't matter. You'll still get home. You'll still get to your destination. Now I'll tell you what, Nick. Sorry, can I just cut you off there? We've got a special guest coming in tonight as well, Denver Parker. He'll be in shortly. We're just waiting for him to roll up, and he'll be here shortly. And we've got great interview lined up with him. He'll be in here shortly. Yeah. 
Okay. Sorry, son. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. What I was going to say is, you know what else is safe? It's a safe bet Mercedes is going to win the championship this year. Yeah, thank you, son. <laughs> thank you. you never really know how to press my buttons. Hey, look, I, I, I think, I think it's a. I hate to say it. It looks like it's a formality, doesn't it? It really does. I'm starting to look that way. I, I just can't see the. I mean, that pit stop. For those of you that didn't see the Chinese Grand Prix, mm. they they double stacked, which oh. means that both, both cars come in. But the precision and the accuracy, like that was German engineering and it's best there. Yeah, yeah. They, they really, that, that double stack was timed to perfection. I mean, to, it was pretty, um, you know, wild of them to come, to bring the cars in at the same time. But they knew that the double stack would, was timed to perfection, that both cars would come in. They knew that both cars would come in Hamilton would be departing the pit lane as Bottas was arriving, and that's exactly what happened. That was their second pit stop, and they only came in out of a formality, do so that if a pace car came out or a safety car came out late in the race, that the Ferraris didn't have the better tyres. I don't even think they needed a pit to be honest, but they did just to just to uh, keep in line with the Ferraris that weren't didn't mount a challenge at all. Did not mount a challenge at all. Now, now uh, qualifying went the way of Bottas. Yes, that's correct. So he yep. he is a hot ticket. Yeah, he is a hot ticket. His his driving this season has been so much better, and that's the thing with with them versus Ferrari. They got the big advantage because they've got two well matched drivers there. Mm. You know what I mean? Ferraris. Well, I mean Leclerc's getting there, but you know, I think he's still got a ways to go. But what happened? Look what happened to Leclerc. He got the old um, "please move over" and let Vettel through. Argued a bit with him, didn't he? Yeah, you know, but I mean, he knew, carried on with it. You knew, you knew that that was going to happen. Yeah, He's yeah. the number two driver. That's his job. Now, mm. um, if he had have shown race pace and been able to keep up with him, you'd argue that it was a uh, a bad decision. But I know, I know you feel that that he was he was in there with a chance. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, no, look, I always said that's why Daniel made the right decision not to go there because he didn't want to be number two backup driver. So. No, they should have got Verstappen. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have really worked well. Anyway, um, it was, yeah, there's not much to say apart from that. Mercedes are doing a really good job, and I think they have really... It's hard to not see them win this championship. We're only three races in, and I'm already talking about them winning the championship, but I can't see this unravelling. For them, it would have it would take them to unravel for anyone else for Ferrari to take this championship. I think the other thing that it would also take is for the two Ferrari drivers to work together. Mm. Yeah. So if Bottas, I mean, if Bottas turns around and says, "You know what, I'm going for this championship," and he starts, you know, playing silly buggers with uh, Hamilton, then yeah, there is a chance that they could, yeah, you know, crash themselves out. But anyway, uh, it was a great race. I mean, you know, admittedly, the Mercedes, they led from start to finish, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a great call on the on the start. It was amazing to see the pairs of cars. and uh, <laughs> Martin uh, Brundle, I yeah. loved it. <laughs> he, he said it was Noah's Ark. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think was, you got the quote here in the I notes. Do. I do. I did write it down. It was the Noah's Ark of grids. Uh, basically, they two all, by two. Two by two. <laughs> two, you know, by they, two. They all left two by two. <laughs> which, which is good, I believe, because that shows that the, the drivers are fairly evenly matched in qualifying where they, they have that 
clean track go mm. out there to try just you know put a number down mm. um so you can see that the, there's parity there but the cars you know obviously they're pretty close but yeah. you know you can see ferrari's got a massive advantage and i would imagine that that um they probably had more in the tank left in it mm. if they needed to to lean on it but yeah yeah uh we'll just have to see how this season plays out nick yeah and we were hoping like i mean china is traditionally it's, it's not a ferrari track but they have longer straights where they felt the horsepower of the ferrari would um would would give them some sort of advantage Failed to see it here. Did not. I mean, Vettel was three tenths behind behind Hamilton in mm. qualifying. That, that's a considerable drop in in pace. Anyway, look. I mean, well, listen. While the Mercedes are dominating uh, in the Formula One, <laughs> the same can't be said in the in the uh, supercars. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. We've got. <laughs> We've got the the DJR Penske Mustangs really out on on these guys now, haven't we? On the rest of the team, and it was interesting to see. Look, I made notes. I made a few notes here um, in regards to. I wanted to start the V8 Supercar discussion with, and you'll probably think that it's a, it's a, it was funny and it was a sort of seen in humour. But I don't think it's that funny anymore. The wheel, the spade of wheels falling off. What do we have to do to keep these cars, keep their wheels on? We saw Frosty lose. He actually physically lost the wheel. Nick, you saying the wheels are falling off the V8 supercars. Yeah, I think I think when, when we have a problem like this and we make light of it, I think it's a huge problem. Frosty's wheel came off at high speed and it hit the barrier at about, I reckon, at least well over 100 kilometres an hour. Now, now they used to have a locking pin. Not anymore. Yeah, why did they get rid of it? I'm not sure. Time for the locking pin to come back. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah. understand how this nasty is Ferguson clip there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big R clip on there. <laughs> That's it. Like, <laughs> it's all it needs to be. But like, I mean, we've seen this. It happened twice on the weekend. Now the wing cup incident, I can kind of understand that the, they the airmen dropped the car too early, and the front the guy putting the front wheel on hadn't got the wheel on, indicated to the crew that the wheel wasn't on, and I mean, they took they took action and they said we're going we're going to lose a wheel. Jamie, yeah. you're going to have to pull over to the side. Eventually, he did, but the wheel had come off already. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> did that did that force his hand, so to speak? Yeah, I guess I guess it did. But the team, at least the team, did the right thing and they were onto it. But what I have an issue with is with Frosty. They didn't know why their wheels were coming off, and they said, "Oh, we'll have to have a look at it the next day." Well, guys, I, I mean. <laughs> It's not that it's not that hard, surely. So, so look, do any of the teams lose any points? Do they get fined or anything? I don't know. They haven't they haven't said that yet. But I, if if the DJR cars got a three thousand dollar fine <laughs> yeah. on Saturday for the line locker, uh, which is fair enough. That's fair enough. They so, got so for those of you that don't know what Nick is talking about, they've mandated now because they've had cars you know, turning tyres and stuff in the air. They've mandated that you have to have your line locker on when the tyres are off the deck. So basically, you need to push down on your brake pedal and there's an electric solenoid that um, uh, keeps the hydraulic pressure on the brakes and stops the tyres from turning. Um, The DJR cars, now there's a bit of speculation as to actually what happened, but apparently they stalled. Mm. And and, and as a result of the restart... Power was cut momentarily to the solenoid, and this made the line locker turn off. 
Um, and you know, it's feasible. Normally, when you when you hit the starter button on a lot of stuff, it, it basically turns everything else, you know, off momentarily. Mm. So yeah. that is feasible. But they lost thirty championship points. Yeah, and three thousand dollars, and that was each, I believe. Mm, that's correct. Yeah, each, you know? each. So, so anyway, let's stay there. We talked about the downside of the of the, uh, you know, the the Mustang. Let's talk about the upside of the yeah, Mustang. That they're winning nine out of ten races, yes. Nick. <laughs> How long? They've already slapped weight on them. Yeah. How long before they take the wings completely off them? And then they've they, they're they're sanctioning their center of gravity, which I don't start me on. We've already, I mean, I've had that discussion already. But they've mandated their center of gravity. I think you know it's great to see for for Ford fans. Um, look, I mean, obviously the Holden teams have a different different view on things. I just think this is going to hasten the arrival of the Camaro. Listen, let's cut to a break. (laughs) Yeah. After the break, we'll uh, we'll talk about the Saturday race and the Sunday race. No worries. Okay, welcome back to the Talk and Power podcast on 88.5 FM where the valley comes alive. All right, so Philip Island, Nick. Yep. Saturday's race. Mm Mm-hmm. Penske all the way. Pinsky all the way, all right. So, what are they going to do? What 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 are the Holden teams going to do to stop this? What was Roland? You can see Roland's already talking. Well, he has been talking parity. It's been the topic of discussion, and clearly he wants he wants more assistance for his cars to to be competitive. He says the problem is the Commodores are not competitive in the front end of the car. They they don't have the steer, the grab, the bite in the front of the cars. I don't know whether that's true or not. I wouldn't know, but I'm not sure what they can do to 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 fix that. Well, uh, being holding, they can complain more and mm. uh, slow the Mustangs down. <laughs> Scaffy doesn't drive for him anymore, mate. No, that's right. Yeah, but I'm sure <laughs> he's trying know. from the commentary box, but it's not panning out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, uh, you know, let's move on to Sunday's race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, Sunday's race. It was interesting on the Sunday race. We had much of the same. Uh, Fabian didn't go get away to the best. He got away to initial good start, got it stuck in gear apparently, and then then dropped uh, dropped back into the second spot. However, things changed at the pit stop. Even though he took on more fuel than Scotty, he came out in front of Scotty. Now they couldn't understand that. They didn't. It took him a little while to work that out. But the pit lane speed limit on Scotty's car was not set right. Now, they don't know if that's a, a, some sort of hangover from the day before where they're having issues with the power or with the car stalling, the line lockers coming undone. I really don't know. But they had, they had the pit lane speed limiter set too low. Um, and hence, his entry and departure from the pit lane at Phillip Island was, was slower. So he took on less fuel came out behind Fabian which was you know in the end it it still worked out all right for the team but it didn't help Scotty for his championship aspirations whoever it was had one job yeah, no, one, yeah. one <laughs> job set speed limiter surely the data logger would tell them that as well surely they would know the car traveling down well, the, pit. the live telemetry yeah yeah that's exactly <laughs> right I think sometimes we get fed we get fed. <laughs> I, uh, I think it was summed up best on the Sunday afternoon when you actually looked at Scotty and Fabian's face and they had no idea. 
But yeah. I literally had no idea. And that wasn't hanging up for the camera. It was no idea. Yeah. Are, yeah. are you talking about the race or they just generally don't? <laughs> Be fair. Come on. Fabian's not a bad bloke. No, they're both not no, bad blokes. They're both they're top yeah. blokes. That's got nothing to do with whether they got an idea or not. Oh, okay, you're I mean, you know, think about that movie, dude, where to park my car or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Those guys had no idea where they parked their car, yeah, but they're still good guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, listen, we've got to get into the, the nitty-gritty here. Can we just talk quickly about the redemption of <laughs> Anton Di Pasquale? I've been... <laughs> We, we we were making jest of him at the last at the last race uh, at Simmons Plain with a gear stick. <laughs> he really redeemed himself, third spot. I mean, he didn't really. He was never likely to challenge those two at the front, but held on to third spot. I think it was great for the Airbus team to see them come back. Where was know, Dave Reynolds? Uh, where did he come? That's a good question. <laughs> I can't remember. Did he get bumped off or no? Huh? Did Anton let his tires down? Jeez, I'll tell you what, it wasn't even in the top 10, so I can't tell you. I only had the top 10 here. So. Anyway, let's talk about James Courtney and Todd Hazelwood. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting start of the race. I mean, what did you think of the incident? I mean, did you, I don't know if you guys saw it. Old Courtney took out Todd Hazelwood right at the start of the Sunday race. I think you should have apologised to him. <laughs> yeah, look. Bare um, minimum. <laughs> I saw bits and pieces of the race over the weekend and some highlights. He just uh, turned him around. It was yeah, completely um, unnecessary. Yeah, It's not Courtney's first rodeo, and it's not the first time he's done it, and we'll leave it there. <laughs> it's not the first time he's done it, but he's not backwards in going forwards. He doesn't really sort of show much. I don't believe he apologised to No, that's Todd. what he does to the person that he hits. Yeah. yeah. He turns them backwards <laughs> instead of them going forwards. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> now, anyway. did you see? You see, he got a puncture a bit after that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and yep. Scafey spent the whole time focused on talking about how much camber they they put in the suspension, and you know how camber, you know, camber gives you lap times, and you know the the carrots always being dangled in front of the, <laughs> the the crew chief's face that you know he's got to give it more camber you don't think that the fact that the bumper was rubbing on the tire might have actually had an effect or was it the camber no i think the scafey's got a bit of camber going on <laughs> yeah i i know that i think the discussion probably went down a path that he wasn't you know he, he probably there was smoke coming off the tire yeah, after yeah, the collision yeah, yeah <laughs> there's yeah, no yeah. doubt in my mind that no, Camber had nothing to do with it. No, no it'll no. buff out. It was fine. <laughs> anyway, it was, um, you know, what did you think of the, the scrap for 8th, 9th and 10th as well? Rick Kelly, Nick Perkett and David Reynolds then got the ultimate, what do you call him? Party crasher, come through, Slade, and got all of them in the end. Had a better set of tyres. I think he was a couple of laps newer with his tyres came through and uh, got around most of the... I don't think he got around Rick Kelly in the end, but he certainly got uh, Davey Reynolds, and that, hence that's why Davey dropped back to 11th, uh, and Nick Perkat as well. Yeah, I, we had a discussion about this off air. Uh, my favourite bit was actually Rick Kelly, the sheer look of shock on his face in his placings at the end of the weekend. And uh, there's nothing that could beat his face. So uh, are you, are that you, up, mate. What about Fabian Scott's face? Yeah, well... <laughs> Make your mind up, Todd. Yeah, well, I said the highlights package is the best one at the moment, so... But are you suggesting that the eighth position for Rick was was not foreseen? Magic. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you know, now with the center of gravity changes, the Ultima is the beneficiary of that. A car that's not even going to be around. No. The manufacturer's not around. <laughs> the car's not here and the manufacturer's pulled pulled out of the series. And they still need another 100 horsepower to at least keep up with the front cars. But... No, you know. Mm. He's a Kelly. Yep. Part of the Kelly gang. Anyway, we, sh- <laughs> we, sh- we digress. We digress. We All right, Nick, the MotoGP Circuit of America's... As always, MotoGP never, ever, ever ceases to deliver the most incredible racing on the planet when it comes to motorsport. It was a really good race last night, and I feel um, also that... You didn't get any sleep because yeah. it was on at 2.30. <laughs> but not only that, I think there was a sort of air of, um, you know, that it was a fitting ceremony at the start. Of, it was on the Friday, actually, but it was a fitting ceremony for Nicky Hayden as well who was they formally retired the 69 from MotoGP racing and they've at, at Hayden's Hill there so I think that was really quite a, a fitting ceremony for this race as well in the circuit of, Ameri- circuit of Americas um don't agree <laughs> no it's just I you know in all the years of watching him I never noticed his number was 69 no, you know what? Neither did I. <laughs> Neither but... did I. I did just tweaked and I yeah. had a smirk on my face. I must have mentally blanked that out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was he was a good rider that you never noticed. No, he wasn't that good. No. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I was never a Nicky Hayden fan, to be honest. He won one world championship, I believe. Oh six, I thought it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With no, Honda. Six. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Speaking of Honda, they were the favourites at this track. I mean, oh, Honda, Nick, Honda, Honda, dear smart kids, that he's just going to walk away with it. He ended up walking away. <laughs> he fell off. Did you notice he actually fell off the bike three times? Three times. <laughs> I actually felt sorry for actually, the guy. Did you feel four sorry? Times. For, didn't you feel sorry for him? But like, he fell off four times because when he got back on it. He fell again, and then he fell the other way. He, he went that and way. And then he went up the road a bit <laughs> and, and fell, fell off, off again. again. That's exactly right. <laughs> Look, I, um, I actually felt sorry for the guy. I mean, obviously, just a front-wheel washout, and, and that's it. The race was over for him. But he had, it, he had it practically wrapped up. You know, 10 laps. What was it? 10 laps to go? 11 laps to go, sorry. 11 laps to go. Nick, we have a saying, and it is... Uh, to finish first, yeah. you must first finish. Yep, yep. And he failed. He did. <laughs> he did. So, um, oh, let's not talk about Marquez. Poor guy suffered enough. Let's talk about Rossi. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. So he momentarily inherited the lead after that after that fall. But Alex Rins had other ideas and came after uh, Valentino pretty pretty strong. I think it was four laps to go. He made his what run. an incredible duel they mm-hmm. had. Yep, yep. Running wide yep. <laughs> every yep. turn. I saw that as well. <laughs> if the race had gone for another few laps, they would have gotten overtaken. <laughs> like completely. Jack Miller would have won his first. <laughs> Not his first, he won in the wet. Sorry, sorry. That was a thousand to one odds, Nick. A thousand to one odds. If you had to put five bucks down on Jack Miller for that race, you would have got five grand. Not this race. That's another race. It's in the history of Jack Miller. Uh, (laughs) The thing is, though, right? Okay, so Alex Rims, he's got something to prove. He's he's hot to trot. He wants that. Mm. He wants that uh, trophy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wants to put Suzuki on the map. I think it's awesome. As you know, I'm a Suzuki guy. So mm. to see a GSXR win, 
you know, couldn't ask for better. Um, but Rossi, okay, that guy, look, he's an amazing rider, but he has got that typical Italian hot-bloodedness. <laughs> he would rather crash than come second. Yeah, yeah. And he needs to do something about it because this season, now that this has happened, it's starting to shape up as a potential championship for him. Mm. He might not have the fastest bike and he might not be the best rider out there, but all he needs to do is keep his cool, mm. keep finishing in those top three, and as we get to the end of the season, you know, now that Marquez has dropped one, yeah. if you can if you can go without dropping a race, right, you, you're in there with a chance. But you know what? He's going to do the same thing he does every year. <laughs> He's going to drop the bike again, and it's going to be the same way Marquez did. Yeah. You know? I yeah. don't get how these guys, if you've got that much of a lead, you know, you, the pit board tells you, you know what I mean? Like... Just take it easy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, he went in hot. He was certainly went in hot. Oh, those two at the end there, Rims and uh, Rossi, man, they were going to take each other out, mm. the way. <laughs> undercutting yeah. each other. Yeah, and going wide. Going yeah. way wide. Anyway, it was a fantastic race. Fantastic to see Rossi so happy. Um, these last couple of races, he's really, he's he's like the Rossi from 10, 15 mm. years ago. You know, yeah. he's um, uh, just hungry for it. Um, you know, like I said, he'll probably end up dropping the bike, but till that happens, we can all enjoy watching it. <laughs> and so, it was Suzuki's first victory since 2016 in Britain, which was amazing stat, that one. Correct. So it's good to see the Suzuki so, up there. Aussie Jack Miller, third spot. Third place, yeah. And yeah. Uh, honourable mention of Dovi, who came in fourth, fourth behind yep. him. Yep, and you didn't mention Jorge. No, Jorge also dropped his bike. Lap after Marquez. Marquez, yeah, exactly one but lap But he after. was running in 11th or 12th at the time. So the Jorge story, look, I mean, we'll, we'll go to a break now, but the Jorge story is one that will that will keep coming up on this podcast, this this radio show for the rest of the year. I just, I can't fathom it, and I hope hopefully we see some better results from him coming up. Oh, when they fix his fuel tank or seat or whatever. Handlebars. Handlebars. Maybe needs tassels on there oh, or something. <laughs> Training wheels on the back. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with Denver Parker. He's just come in, so we'll be back with Denver Parker straight after the break. Okay, as we mentioned before, we've got a special guest in the studio tonight. We've got Denver Parker from the WA Sporting Car Club. Denver, thanks for coming in. G'day, guys. How are we all doing? I'm very well, and thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, Denver, tell us a bit about where you've come from and and, uh, and what you do. Well, um, yeah, I kind of grew up around cars, like yep. probably most of us. Dad used to race and rally, and then kids subsequently came along, and that was the end of racing and rallying for him. Um, but, you know, from the, the time I could hold a spanner, and you know, I was always helping him in the garage and stuff like that, it just kind of evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, started out officiating, and then yeah, moved into the realm of motorsport, doing sprints and motocanas and stuff like that, and then yeah, progressed into circuit racing, and then you know, on towards tarmac rallying and stuff like that, and yeah. Yeah, a bit of a mixture, so... Yep. Denver, uh, some of our listeners have heard you from uh, your recent times in Bathurst. Can you explain what drew you to complete in the car in the class you ran in? 
it was one of those it was more of an opportunity than anything you know it was one of those the, the Bathurst is the holy grail for anyone I suppose that does motorsport in Australia so you know the the chance to run in the sport class with sports sedans over there existed so I put an application in you know it was accepted so you know it runs as a, a mixed class group so it's not just what one group as such within it you know there's all V8 supercars there's space frame cars um, the chassis class which is what I was running in uh, and then a, a, a TA2 which is a, a sort of stock car class you know, based out yeah. of America space frame five glass body but yeah very close racing for those guys as well so mm. just sort of runs as a big mix up and yeah, that way. So we've probably we've probably jumped a couple of steps ahead of ourselves here. So yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk us maybe go backwards a bit, a little bit in the the class that you're competing in now is called sport combined sedan or combined. Well, yeah, that was the, the the class of Bathurst. So that's what it, it runs with over there. So they combine all those different groups that yeah. join up together. So yeah, the, the opportunity was to run with those, and it's a chassis car. So yeah. yeah, that was how we got in. Yeah. Okay. All right. So your car is uh, is a full chassis car. Correct. Yeah. It's a street car converted to a race yep. car full cage. Yeah, okay. Yeah, as opposed right. to a, a space frame chassis, which is then, yeah, panels are bolted onto it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so. yeah, no. It's, a, it's quite a, a smart-looking smart looking vehicle and still got a lot of street appeal to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I tried not to venture too far away from you know, the aesthetics of how a car should look. You know, I didn't want to go nuts with it, with you know, a lot of you know, wide body and that sort of stuff. And yeah. to, to me... A massive body kit hanging out the side something someone can knock off as they come past so mm. i tried to keep a lot of the original lines and the shape of the car that's similar to you know what was out on the road yep all right so maybe going <laughs> we're doing this podcast back to front <laughs> yeah. maybe going back a step just tell us what the car actually is it's a it's a, it's a 1993 r33 nissan skyline yep um four-door which you know a lot of the ones you see around are the two-door coupes um mm. this one's happened to be that when i was in the market for a car there was a four-door that was around so. yeah yeah you don't see many of the four-door well maybe i'm not looking for them in saying that but i don't don't see too many of the four-door variants around no that, that they do exist but yeah it's that there was hundreds and hundreds of the four two doors that came in yeah mm. there, there are a, a number of four doors out there they just like say that number is significantly less than the two-door models that came in so. yeah okay yeah yeah no fair enough fair enough look some of us will um remember the results but can you elaborate on where you finished uh, this time compared to 2018 we're referring to bathurst here yeah and, and what did you learn from bathurst so 2018 i think i finished fourth overall in the chassis group mm -hmm. um and just outside the top 10 outright so admittedly there was a this year there was a lot more space rank cars so i was a bit further down the order yeah um this year i was on track to so the first race i came in first in class the second race i was leading up until the beginning of the last lap when it um the car basically just shut down i mean what it resulted was a, a nut fell off the starter motor that held the battery cable on all oh, right the problem with that was it also took the charge from the alternator jumped to the same terminal and then yep. so for 19 minutes that uh, according to the log it dropped power about a lap into the race so for 19 minutes around on the battery until it just couldn't run anymore and mm. just shut everything down so yeah okay yeah yep. literally another minute i would have been at the top of the hill and i could have carried the speed down to the bottom yeah um, but yeah it was the start of the hill and one of the things they say in the briefings if your car has a problem just don't try yeah, yeah. You, you won't make it to the top and because it is such a 
a blind circuit a lot of the corners you come around you just don't know what's on the other side so i didn't mm. want to be that person stopped around a blind corner and you didn't want to be that guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i i chose discretion on that one and just yeah. walked to the edge of the track and that yeah. was that so yeah. i think at the end of the weekend i ended up at six so yep. the last race we we had two laps taken off some little under safety car for two laps so mm. yeah okay that was that it's it's an interesting uh race i mean i i looked at it i looked at i know todd was over there at the same time and i was watching it from afar um the bathurst 12 hour that is and i was looking at the results coming through but you also when it was a bit of a wa contingency that went over there as well wasn't yeah, it yeah it, there's you know they try and get people from every state over um obviously it's down to who actually applies at the time uh so mm. last year there was it was the four of us again that went over last year um, yep. and this year there was only the three of us uh, there was a lot of Formula 4 guys and stuff like that went over as well uh, but in the combined sedans there was only three of us this year yep. so yep. yeah and that was obviously myself Brad Carsby from S15 and Glenn Melling who had a Commodore who's over mm. there quite, he's actually on his way over back now to have a go at the um, improved production class at the six hour event this weekend coming up yeah okay alright so no, interesting. So when you do something like that, I mean, how do you, how do you prepare for like a, a, a combined, like how much, explain to our listeners, because a lot of people just think you load the car in the back of the trailer or truck and off it goes. Like how many weeks in advance, especially for something like Bathurst, do you prepare? Uh, there's still sprint races. So the preparation is very similar to, to what I do here. You know, the car gets a full service, everything's sort of checked over. Um, being that time of the year, though, everything was sort of prepped. So the diffs were rebuilt, you know, it, it got a new turbo, a bunch of other stuff was just sort of checked and replaced and lifed at that sort of point. Um, you know, the motor, that got refreshed before I went over in 2018, so that was fairly new. Um, yep. But, yeah, it was just a lot of maintenance, a lot of checks, and a few more parts went over because you sort of try and plan on any possibility happening. Mm. Um, yeah, you can only plan for a certain amount, but certainly stuff like spare diffs and shafts and you know hubs and stuff that you normally wouldn't take to a local event because you just you're not going to worry that too heavily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and weird things like nuts and bolts, just weird consumables you don't think you're going to need. Just Murphy's law says if you don't have it, you'll need it. Yeah. Okay. So you pack them and then bring them back home again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was a few trips had down to a local super cheap on the weekend, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We rejigged the trans cooler, the diff cooler setup. Sorry, halfway through the first day, so. Yeah, like you can try to plan for everything, but obviously not everything. You just hope that there's something there you can make it work. Mm, so. Yeah, Todd, from your experience, I mean, you you went there with you were in a number of you were in a number of hats that weekend yeah. as well. So can you just tell us briefly about your you, what you did to prepare as well for? Basically, uh, the first year I just went over there purely to support Denver. Ended up taking a bunch of photos and. I think I was the, the last chance, like, lackey would be my term. <laughs> if there was someone else that couldn't do something or something needed to be done right there and then, pick up the tools and do whatever Dem asks. Mm. Um, this year, it was more a case of there as photographer for Denver, covering a lot of uh, ground on the top and the bottom of the hill. But also, I think at one point, pick up some jerry cans, fuel the car up, yeah. you know how to do mm. it. Yeah, again, get on the tools when you need to. Mm. So, yeah, which is quite enjoyable. I um, actually appreciate Denver leaving me <laughs> near the car, but it's also one of those things that I don't like standing around. So, if I can help, I'll help. One of the questions that we have, I guess, is that we we spoke about a little bit earlier. It's a four door R thirty three Skyline. Mm. We we you, you said that um, it is it is pretty unique in my eyes. Anyway, can you tell us why you run it and what you've done to it that isn't a secret? Okay, so. It, <laughs> 
it was a bit of a weird story how it came about. I was initially going to build a drift car. Mm. So I was just looking at the market. I'd done a bunch of drifting at the time and yeah, some other four-door cars. And they just had, I felt, a very good balance to them. Yep. Um, and two-door cars to me are a bit of a pain when you, you put a roll cage in them because trying to climb into the back and deal with anything in the rear firewall section just becomes, yeah, it, it's an exercise in gymnastics. So a four-door just appealed for accessibility and stuff like that. And it just happened to be that a friend of mine had a rolling shell that had been involved in the accident. Someone had pumped it up the bum. So I went down, had a look at it and went, yeah, I can make that work. And mm. yeah, did a deal on that. That was how it came about. So yep. Yep. it was just, yeah, it was one of those time and place things. And then, yeah, yeah it just evolved from there. As, as for secret time, there's nothing overly out there that's been done to it everything I'm, I'm pretty open about what he's actually done to the car mm. um, i'm not one of those that sort of believes in hiding everything it's yeah, yeah it, everything in there is pretty much off the shelf parts there is some custom stuff in there mm. uh, but a lot of it is just you know off the shelf japanese parts or yeah you know, stuff from new zealand america things like that mm. yeah, yeah there's yeah. nothing really secretive in there no fair enough that's fair enough so you've had a long history with the car uh, yep. uh, with yourself uh what are the, some of the other events that you cover uh, so obviously, yeah, the racing at Wanneroo is one. Um, it's I've com- taken part in Targa Southwest and uh, Targa West a few times. It's not a Targa legal car as such. I run on what they call an invitational, so mm. I don't go into any championship. I'm not in a, you know, the running for the outright results. It's purely for a fun thing. Um, mm. So yeah, and they're quite willing to have the car there. They think it's a, you know, it helps, you know, bring people in. It's something a bit different. Yeah. Um, you know, beyond that, I've done you know some hill climbs. Obviously, the Albany event just recently. Mm, yeah, you know, I remember seeing you at Race Wars. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done that. Yeah. Like I've done the, the Race Wars event previously and sprints and yeah the auto uh, not the autocross the uh, rally sprint series down at yeah. the motorplex and things like that. So I, it is I try and multi-purpose the car a bit. I don't try and sort of single use it purely as a, a circuit car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it has run down the drags and stuff like that. So yeah. Mm. I try and get my money's worth out of it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the. Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head there. I think that is the future for a lot of people. If they're not, a lot of guys, we we box on on myself. And I know Simon. We box ourselves into yeah drag racing, and then we box ourselves into this discipline. But I think mm. with what you guys do, you've sort of it's multifaceted with what you do in the car and the, that car you have as you said but you can participate in a number of events with that car yeah and a lot of the guys especially the ones that run in targa and things like that they can multi-purpose those vehicles for exactly mm. similar sort of things targa being very limited what you can do modification wise they're not so much that suited to the circuit or certainly the speed of the circuit but some of them are very fast cars still. yeah you know yeah. they're not slouches and such so mm. uh, yeah, it just depends what they want to do. And budget comes into it as well. And, of course. You know, time and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Plus, there is, maintaining a car, that was, as you're probably well aware, there is a lot of maintenance and stuff like that. So if you haven't got the time, ability to put into it, and you know, I'm fairly lucky in that I have a job where I have a lot of free time when I'm home that I can do that, mm. um, that I can spend a lot of time during the day and I'm able to get parts and sort of things out you know, yeah. in normal sort of working hours as opposed to trying to compress a lot into evenings and get yeah. sorted. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, just for the record, uh, you did the uh, Bathurst and yeah. then the Target Sprint. Uh, how many days later? Four. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a turnaround. Of that a is, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Todd <laughs> told me about that. He actually sent me a text. He goes, you know, this car was at Bathurst four days ago and here we are at the Motorplex. So yeah. That is, that is amazing. That's a credit. <laughs> yeah, it was lucky that the, the, the Glenn, who um, was also arrived, he transported it over this for us. So he 
he didn't hang around for the 12 hour on the Sunday. He doesn't, you know, he'd just rather get back to Perth. So he loaded mm. up Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, they had a, a drink and a feed Saturday night. Left Sunday morning. They were back Wednesday morning. But uh, So I went and picked it up Wednesday afternoon, put the short ratio diff into it, and then turned up Thursday for an event. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. All right, on that note, we'll take a quick short break here, and we'll be back right up with more with Denver Parker. Okay, welcome back to the Talk and Power podcast on 88.5 FM. We're here with Denver Parker, and we've also got co-host Todd Brinkworth in the studio. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, yeah, Nick and Simon and myself were having a conversation the other day about how the streetcar class at Wanneroo actually works. Yep. We know that it's sort of based on weight and tyre and stuff like that. Uh, can you explain how your car fits into the class? <laughs> yeah, it, it's probably easy to go explain it how it's sort of come about. So, streetcars in the current formula it is, is it's, it works loosely off the 3D sports sedan rules. So... 3D sports sedans also covers where your true franchisee cars and stuff like that, XV8 supercars and that kind of thing. So the idea of street cars was it's a, a more limited version of those rules. At the moment, it's, it's only a WA-only class. There are a couple of classes very similar to it on the East Coast and stuff like that. Um, but we're limited to the amount of error we can run. Um, the idea being that we kind of keep a, a more street car looking appearance to it. Um, we run a controlled tyre as opposed to slick, so we run a, a Hancock Z221 semi-slick, um, yeah, and things like that. So the idea being is that it, it's not a full-on sports sedan kind of feel. Um, you know, the lack of air on stuff like that certainly mm. controls it a bit. Um, and then obviously the tyre, you can only get so much power through the ground through yeah. Yeah, a semi-slick style tyre. So yeah the, beyond that the rules are pretty open slather we can run whatever motor we want up to a six liter um there is an under two liter class as well which falls into that um but you know we're allowed stuff like sequential gearboxes and yeah the big we have a you know a weight to capacity rule which limits the rim size and you know the vehicle has to weigh a certain amount to the amount of capacity you have so 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 that is that's 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 the key i yeah, think yeah. to all of this there's a formula is what i'm assuming yeah that, that, yeah so it, it limits your rim size to engine capacity to weight of the car that's it so you can run either a six liter naturally aspirated or a turbo motor with a yeah so i run a 2.6 with a multiplier of 1.7 for turbo so that takes me up to 4.9 liters or something like that yeah okay so that's... and that that's how you determine yeah the weight of the vehicle the rim size and everything falls yeah. from there so. in your opinion is that that that's working for the for the sport in yeah it, it, you know over years it's obviously evolved and changed it originally started as what was called the roadrunner class many many years ago and the initial rule was to that you had to drive the car to the track yeah and then drive it home um that was the whole premise of it and then it evolved into street cars um later on down the track so yeah the, the idea being that there's a fair bit of parity to it. Um, mm. Obviously, certain makes have come in over time. So, like the RX-7s, the the later ones, the Series 6 and Series 7, stuff like that, they they were very highly developed from the factory, so they had a, a pretty clear advantage. So, that was sort of balanced out over time and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. You know, so, there's there's limits to them and the, the size of the wing you can run, depending on what sort of car you got. And you can run four-wheel drive and all that sort of stuff as well. So, mm. yeah, it opens the door to a lot of... I guess high-performance street cars that people want to go and get more serious with, they can then go and put a roll cage in and prep it up, and 
you know, it, it can go to the track. You're not having to go the whole hog and go to sports sedans. Yeah. yeah which is, you know, quite a big sort of leap beyond what we are. Yeah, it certainly is. Sports sedan is, looks, looks, they look great, they sound great, but I can imagine that they're quite expensive to run and, and um, probably not the easiest class to run in either, I would have thought. Uh, it, it cost is probably relative all across the board mm. uh, once you've got the car. So, yeah, you know, it's the idea being is if you've already got a car that's close enough that you, it's just a roll cage away, then that's the, sort of the idea of it. Whereas, you know, like you say, sports then it's obviously very dedicated from the beginning, so you're kind of mm. expecting that to go. Yeah. You know, and depending on what... Well, it, it, <laughs> again, like you know, a car can start out very cheaply and end up very expensive mm. over time, so... Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sure if we all added up how much we've spent over time, we'd probably cry. Yeah. <laughs> we would, we would, and we wouldn't tell our wives either. <laughs> uh, moving along, moving along, Denver. Uh, we understand you had a small mishap back in 2016 at Targa Southwest with uh, Lachlan Beresford um, in the car. Um, we aim to get Lockie on the show, uh, but until then. If it's not too difficult, would you would you like to recount what happened and how you managed to rebuild the car in such a short period of time? Well, I heard they were shooting a Jigsaw Hazard film, so I wanted to put an application in. Uh, yeah, look, it was it was me trying to counteract some. Incre- I had terrible weather, so this occurred down in Pembroke, and yep. the night previous, they had something like forty mil of rain overnight, so mm. it was just torrential. Everything was covered in water, and. Uh, prior the corner prior to where we end up in our roof i came out had a little bit of a wiggle short shifted into the next gear to just control the wheel spin and it was 10 k's too many yeah so yeah leading into the the next band which just happened to be over a creek um yeah it locked up the fronts and i had a choice of either go to the right which was an unknown go to the middle there's a great big carry tree or try and make the turn so grabbed the handbrake tried to turn it in and it was just it wasn't going to happen so yep. slid sideways off the off the bridge and ended up on the embankment on the opposite side where we started yeah okay yeah. <laughs> upside down so yeah. <laughs> yeah wow yeah yeah it's pretty exciting yeah no i can imagine it sounds um so you have to forgive me so lachlan was in the car with you yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Co-driver. Okay. Yeah, Co-driver, so, yeah so this is a full full navigated rally so yeah, yeah we okay run with two of us at the time so yeah yep. yeah mm-hmm. ended up upside down and then extricated ourselves by the time we actually got ourselves half out of the car the net car along was already there because they run a system called rally safe which is rather handy in those situations that it informs the next car along that there's something going on yep um so by the time you know i was already out of harness and sort of wiggling outside the window you know the next car along which happened to be a mate of mine um, yeah, it was already there and sort of trying to see if we were right and what was going on. So, mm. yeah. yeah, okay. All right. Well, it's good to hear that you were both okay. So you had to re- you built, rebuilt the car in a short period of time straight yeah, after and that? I, I couldn't have picked the timing any better because <laughs> two weeks after that incident, I was off to America. So Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily, it, it's a bit of a, a story in itself in that I um, once I'd rung the girlfriend and said, look, we've had an accident, we're okay at which point she nearly passed out. Um, I snapped a photo and popped into a chat group with a bunch of friends of mine, and unbeknown to me after that, because we had to go to the end of the stage, and they carted us off, and there was no phone signal down there. The the chat group, I mean, it happens to be a bunch of the guys from Anylag, and they posted it straight on their Facebook page. Mm. So about two hours later, when I got back out and had phone reception, the phone went to meltdown. Yeah. um, yeah, there's obviously a lot of calls of concern. You know, you're all right, that sort of thing. But, you know, amongst that was... You know, can you fix the car? And I think I know someone who's got a shell, and the offers just started pouring in. 
Hmm. Um, so yeah, we recovered the car, got it onto a trailer. I, it looked pretty bad. I wasn't going to lie, um, and I wasn't going to make a final decision until I got it back. And we'd ripped half the all the bent stuff off and had a good look at it and see what was going on. So, but by the time we'd done that, loaded it up, and then came back to Perth the following day, I already had replacement panels lined up. I had all sorts of stuff ready to go. A mate lined up a friend of his to um, straighten it all out for us and stuff like that. So we, yeah, got it back, stripped everything back, had a look, said, okay, looks looks like we can make this work. Yep. Um, got Josh Dale down at Unity, had a look at the rail because it had some rail damage in the right front. Um, and he said, yeah, we can fix this up. But he knew I was in a limited timeline to do that. And he mm. said, look, just fix all the panel work and we'll deal with the rest of it afterwards. So, yeah, a, a mate of mine, and, uh, Scott Luckhart and myself, we, over three days, because uh, obviously we went back to work for a week and I came home. So we had a three-day window to rip all the panels off the, the donor car, rip all the bent stuff off the broken one and mm. piece it all back together. So Oh, wow. Three days later and a lot of cut hands and welding <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it resembled a car again. Yeah, okay. and, you know, I went to America, went off, Josh straightened out the rail for us, went off to my spray painter and then... Yeah, you know, a couple of weeks after I got back a month later, it was all painted and just sort of had to go back together. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it was a day over 10 weeks from the day that it happened that it was straight and back together. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah so, that is incredible, 10 weeks. Yeah, and, and tested. That was at the track, tested, ready mm. to go sort of thing. So, yep. yeah, it was it was a big push and it, it worked out at the end. So, yeah, we turned up to Targa West 12 weeks later at the start line. So. Mm. Much Incredible. to my surprise and a lot of others as well. Yeah, so, yeah but, definitely. You know, it was a huge effort at the time, I remember it. And yeah. And keeping company a few nights at the workshop, so... Yeah, and look, if it hadn't been for that massive outflow of support, it just never would have happened, yeah. you know. And yeah. everyone that came into it, it was, you know, Grant at GS Auto Works and Maytech. And just even, like, the rear wing on it's a, a cut, not a custom one-off, it's a, a, a profile that comes from America, but it, the mounts and everything were a custom one-off, so... And I emailed the photos of the damage to them and said, look, can you fix the wing? And they went, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we can help you with another one. And I said, well, where are you guys? I'm coming over there in a week. And they went, well, we're here. And I went, perfect. I'll be there in a week and a half. So, yeah, yeah and literally borrowed a mate's snowboard bag, went over and picked up a new wing and they had it all ready to go. Loaded oh, wow. Up. Yeah, so it was a huge effort. And yeah, it wasn't just a, a bunch of local people. It was people all over the world that ended up helping yeah. out. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. No, that is great. That's good to hear the spirit of... In these situations, you know, a lot of people always band together and get, get mm. stuff happening, don't they? They certainly yeah. do. One one of the questions that I had for Todd, and I, <laughs> I've asked him this question already, and he's given me the answer, but I didn't know, and um, your website for your car is called Land Whale Racing. Yeah. So I know now, but can you tell us where that reference, the land whale, comes from? So because of the, the shape and the size of those cars, they're, they're kind of big, so they, they earned the nickname a whale. Um, and it was just one of those things. I, I got the car, I thought, well, I might as well just own this. And mm. that was something, you know, it was a land whale, and that was where it came from. It just went from there. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit of a funny name, but it's just one of those, it's a bit of a play on words. Yeah, and, you know, yep. It's one yep. of those, oh, if you if you eat, you might as well just own it and go with it. That's so. fair enough. I yeah. like that too. And the stick is pretty good as well on the car. Yeah. It's pretty, it yeah. pretty cool. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. The guys at GT Graphics do a very good job when it comes to stuff like that. Can you tell us a few? I mean, apart from the R33, um, how many cars have you had, and just maybe list a few of them, or you know? Yeah. Uh, look, I started out with a, a 
four-door KE laser. That was my first weapon, oh, yeah. <laughs> which I bought off my mother. So <laughs> that was that was a good little car, actually. It, it taught me, I suppose, how to actually get myself in trouble and not put myself into a tree to begin with. So it was it was fast enough to be stupid, but not, you know, hurt yourself. So I had that, then uh, bought myself the turbo four-drive variant of a laser, which mm-hmm. was a TX3, which I still have. It's, it's a shell. <laughs> but... It's one of those long-term projects I'll get back to one day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and after that, I've had a couple of WRXs and yeah, yeah, okay. things like that. So WRX is kind of where I started motorsport in, the turn mm. of the century. Sounds like quite a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was, it was a good, yeah, very forgiving car as well. Yeah. To get into motorsport with because you can be really stupid in them. They'll, they'll you know, pull you out on most occasions. Yeah, so. yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah. So what are the future plans, I guess, for land whale racing on, you know, what have you got coming in the pipeline, if uh, anything? This year, obviously, I'm just going to concentrate the circuit racing stuff. Mm. Um, target for the year, yeah, I'd like to do it. It's just the risk-reward thing. Obviously, I, I, I'm not in the running for Targa, so, yeah, I'll just concentrate on the circuit stuff where, you know, I'm in line for the, straight, uh, the state championship at this point. We'll see, you know, anything yep. can happen. We're only a couple of rounds in, obviously, but I do have a, a fairly handy lead at this juncture, so... I'd like to try and keep that going. Yeah. Um, and, you know, moving forward next year, it's, you know, I, I do want to do Targa legitimately, so I'd probably be looking at another car to do that in or something, you know. I haven't quite got that far down the track as yet um, to mm. decide which way I will go with that. But unfortunately, if I, you know, if I do want to do it legitimately, I can't use the R33 as it is. It's, and getting it back to a point where it would be target legal is quite a big ask and yeah okay yeah it would change yeah it wouldn't be that competitive a car as it, it would be at that point so mm. you know i'll have to have a look at that but you know, yeah, okay and beyond that it, yeah it was a bit of a, not so much a throwaway comment years ago i said i'd like to go do some endurance racing in europe stuff like that some of the 24 hours and 12 hour events and things like that so you know there's an option maybe next year that i could possibly go and look at some events over there oh wow yeah oh, that'd so, be awesome yeah, yeah. so sort of bucket list things that i'd like to check off yeah no nah, that makes two of us yeah. <laughs> i'm sure it makes three of us yeah, yeah. Like three of us don't worry i'll be there <laughs> so hey look we'll just take a short break and we'll be back with more from denver parker We're back here on the Talk and Power podcast on 88.5 FM. The Valley Comes Alive. We're here with Denver Parker from, we forgot to mention, from Allenbrook. So local. Averley. Averley, sorry. Just say Allenbrook. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, you were racing at the Wanneroo on the weekend. I think Todd Todd caught up with you there. He did, yep. I was up there and uh, had a chat to Denver. So uh, I saw you, um, well, early in the morning after your little uh, incident with the diff. Yeah, diff drama. Did you uh, want to elaborate a tiny bit on uh, what uh, happened? Yeah. Look, it, it no longer has opinion. It's gone. <laughs> 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 so it needed a ch- Yeah, look, it, it failed, in, luckily, in qualifying of all places, and but by which point I had actually got a time down. So it wasn't a complete loss to the morning. It was just, yeah, a bit, a bit of a rush because I didn't bring the spare diff with me. So I was like, oh, well, I don't that and that's got problems of its own yeah um so that stayed in the workshop but it ended up being a mad rush to go back and get that while you know the, the boys ripped the back of the car got the old broken diff out and then uh, yeah we got back put the other one back in with about five minutes to spare by the time we t- turned everything else around on the car to get it ready so yeah, it was pretty lucky timing wise okay yeah um so i had a chat to you after well race one yep 
and then race two, and I believe um, we, had, we had a chat at the track, and we've got some audio for that one, Nick. Right, I'm here with Denver Parker at Wanneroo Raceway. Um, we've all heard of Denver before from uh, my trip to Bathurst with himself. So today we're just having a quick catch and see how he's going through with today's racing. Wanneroo's had a resurface. What do you think about the resurface of Wanneroo? It's definitely a quicker surface. Tyre wear is beautiful compared to the old one. Um, the old track was very old, very granulated, and it was quite a large amount of, sort of exposed large granite stone. Um, so that, yeah, it was pretty terrible on tyre wear. Um, luckily now, yeah, tyre wear is fantastic. So, yeah, it, it certainly it helps for the budget. People who want to multi-event tyres instead of having to replace regularly. Okay. Um, what do you reckon lap times? Are you going to be faster eventually? or? It's, I, it's hard to say. I went quicker on the opening round a few weeks back. Um, I think there might be a little bit more time left in it, but yeah, it's, every day is a different day, so yeah, okay. it's hard to take. Yeah, that sounds good. So uh, let's talk about race two. Yeah, a lot better. The, diff, the new diff was in. So, yeah, well, uh, race one, it lasted. It's Unfortunately, it's a very tall ratio. It's the, the same ratio I run for Bathurst, so it's terrible to get off the line. Um, so, yeah, aside from the starts, yeah, it's hanging in there. I don't have to use the six gear, so that, I could just rip that out if I wanted to. Um, but yeah, other than that, look, it's the same sort of car, it still hangs on. So. Okay, good to hear. And unfortunately, well, that round you uh, ended up first in your class, but uh, Andrew Stevens had some problems and uh, didn't get to yeah, run side by side, so to speak. Not as such, no, he had a, a good run in the first race and won that, and I came in second. Um, and then, yeah, in the, a couple of laps into the second race there, he had a trans the line fall off the transmission cooler and uh, dumped all the oil out of the gearbox, so he had to pull off. Luckily, yeah, hopefully the gearbox is saved, so. Oh, that sounds very good. So, uh, other than that, uh, race three, how do you think you're going the, next, the last race of the day? Uh, given the dip that's in it, I'm half tempted to start off the back, just to, so I'm not in a way of everyone, because it bogs down quite heavily, so I don't want to sort of be the result of an accident, so I might start off the rear and just see how it goes, but uh, oh. just go through the pack and have a bit of fun. Yeah, sounds good. So, uh, after this, um, where will you be next? Uh, we've got an event down in Collie, it's on the weekend of the 18th and 19th, same as the Target Southwest weekend, uh, but yeah, we'll be racing on the Saturday down there at Collie on the 18th. Okay, okay. Sounds, sounds really good, Denver. Now, I said earlier, I will catch up with Denver in the near future, have a good chat about his car and where it came from, some adventures he's had with the same car, and uh, stay tuned for that. No worries, thank you. Thanks. I was about to just add there, uh, thank you for Denver, uh, we had to go hide behind a water tank. <laughs> And we were still drowned out by the commentators, which was a fair effort. So no, it adds. Oh, look, I like. I love that because it adds authenticity to the whole thing. Yeah. So no, we, don't, we were actually at the track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, people love that sort of stuff. So don't, don't, don't worry about that. We we love the authenticity on that. So how did? Yeah, so race three. How, so how race three. Yeah, I, I wanted up and said, look, I'm going to start off the rear of the grid, uh, just because in race one I was, almost wore a Commodore on the back. In yeah. race two I almost wore a Porsche. So I was, it, yeah, given. Andy had pulled out for the day, and it was in a pretty good stand. It was like, I'm just not going to risk this. I'll just yeah. take off from the back of the pack and yeah, not try and launch the car and be in everyone's way again. So, sure. yeah, he did that. Um, yeah, and just cut through the field. Yeah, ended up at the front of streetcars again, luckily. And then, yeah, finished the day back in first there. So Okay, awesome. Yeah, had some fun on the way of some of the, you know, the supercars and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. some good racing with those guys. Everyone's pretty respectful to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fairly understanding that if you're coming through, that they'll give you a bit of free space. And mm. They won't make life easy, but they'll they'll be respectful for yeah. it as well. So yeah, no, certainly, certainly. All right, Denver. Look, 
Any sponsors or crew or people you'd like to thank? And we've got another half hour. <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah, we do. Look, yeah, 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 look, there's a no massive problem. list. Um, my girlfriend Jackie obviously puts up with an awful lot of me, you know, doing events and time in the car and stuff like that. So she's very supportive of it, luckily, which is a good thing. Um, saves a lot of hassle. Yeah, and she comes on to most of the events. She was unfortunately away this weekend, um, mm. but yeah, she's very supportive for that. Um, my sponsors, Drone Oz, and um, yeah. God, I'm having mind, but uh, high speed engineering, EPT, um, Ignite 50, the guys at All Star Garage, Shetty Graphics, um, yeah, and all the guys involved with streetcars and WA and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah. yeah, they're an amazing bunch of people, very support. Yeah, if something goes wrong, everyone gets into everyone's car and helps out. Yeah, 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 that was evident. Sad no, you know, I literally left, I just hopped in the year and left, and you know, four people just jacked up the car, ripped out the diff for me while I was gone. So, mm. Yeah, yeah, it was very handy. Yeah, it, that's what we're all like. You know, we try yeah. to help each other because yeah, if everyone's back out, it's more fun, it's more racing, mm. it's more competition. So yeah. certainly, certainly, that's what yep. everyone enjoys doing. Yep. Yeah. No. No. Certainly. A hey, website. Where can we find info about you guys? Not an actual website as such. You can find me on Facebook at yep. Landmore Racing. Yep. Um, and that's oh, I do have an Instagram page, but it's more of a personal account. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Fair enough. The Facebook page is definitely the easiest way to get in touch with me on there. So. No worries. Yeah. And I'll uh, plug Denver as much as I can on my Instagram, where and when. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're always there, Todd. That's yeah, why yeah. I try, mate. <laughs> so. Denver, I really appreciate your time coming in tonight. No um, if you, you want to hang around, you're more than welcome to hang around, and uh, we've got uh, a lot more to talk about. So yeah, yeah. But we really appreciate you coming in, no, and it's been um, a pleasure. yeah, and uh, for all those locals of Ellenbrook, uh, support this man. He is doing the neighbourhood proud. I do my best. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, see you out there, Denver. You will. Thank you. No worries. No worries. Thanks. <laughs> So if you're down there checking out Denver Racing at Collie, take a look around because if Bill Shorten gets in, Collie's going to be a ghost town. <laughs> now, now, Nick, did you catch Alan Jones's comments regarding Bill Shorten and the, the EV policy? Now, I should be honest here and say no, I didn't, but a good friend of the podcast, he tagged me in and, and pointed, brought it to my attention. So thanks, Johnny for doing that uh, i did i did see it after johnny tagged me in and um look i mean let's be honest alan's a little bit opinionated but right wing yeah a little bit but let's let's be truthful here he echoed what we said two episodes ago basically do you want to read out? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it out. So this is a, a quote, is Jones. quote from Ellen Jones. People are starting to wake up to what this country will look like under a shortened Labor government. Every policy is more laughable than the one before. Not everyone has a garage. Some people park in the street. Where will they charge the damn thing? We already have power shortages. Can you imagine thousands and thousands of people plugging their cars into the power points? The nation will be in a massive blackout. The public are filthy, angry, very, very angry. They don't like being taken for mugs. So, do, do you want to do the Jackie O bit? Yeah, yeah. so Jackie O on, on the Kyle and Jackie O show then asked, they, they, this was a grab from a Bill Shorten interview, so Jackie O asked, how long does it take to charge up in reference to an electric car? And Bill Shorten replied, depends on what the charge already is, but it can take up to eight to ten minutes. And Alan Jones finished off with, in that short 10 minutes, Bill Shorten's credibility was shot to pieces. 
Now, we're not saying that... We should reiterate that we don't really... We're not one side of the fence or the other. But the fact of the matter is that the, what Bill Shorten had put forward was not was not true. It's, yeah, but the, the EV Council... True. The EV Council backed him, right? Which, to me... You know, like I said, unless Samsung's releasing a phone, in which uh, car, sorry. <laughs> if Samsung is releasing a car, I will not be driving in it. <laughs> right? So, so they backed him and they said, no, no, it's true. There's, there's new fast chargers. I haven't seen any of these fast chargers. And um, I think that everyone's just trying to cash in on, on Bill Shorten's, you know, policy. Yeah. Um, I'm all for saving the environment. Let's start with yep. the dump trucks. Yep. Let's start there. Let's start on the mine sites. Let's start cleaning Australia up where, where the, the real mess is. Because, yep. you know, the fact of the matter is if you guys saw how many millions of litres of fuel get carted up to those mine sites and those vehicles have no catalytic converters, they have nothing. They're meant to have water scrubbers, but, you know, who knows if the EPA checks them and does routine checks. I mean, really... That they should have, and they should be able to afford to for the, the billions of dollars they make. They should have people on site yep. that are logging all of this and, and taking air samples and so on and so forth. But, mm. you know, that's the problem. None of the politicians want to touch the big Australians, yep. right? They want to pick on the little Australians. Mm. Well, you know what? It's about time the big Australians were the ones that copped it. Yep. The HP brags about how big they are. What are they doing about it? Mm. You know? Yep. They're yeah. going to put a catalytic converter on their dump trucks, on their loaders? Nah. nah. On the trains? Nah. I wonder how many of them are running AdBlue, but those, I don't think they run AdBlue either. I know nah, there's a fair bit of agricultural machinery running around with AdBlue, but I don't think it's been... Those machines are, are not restricted. And, mm. that, and that's the thing. Like, you're worried about the pollution coming out of a car. Your average sedan, what, would burn 70 bucks worth of fuel? Or, yeah. You know? Those things burn that in minutes, not mm. not not hours or weeks. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And as I said, look, we're not here to we're not here to say one one way or another. But the, the reality is that when we're all for electric cars, we've spoken about electric cars numerous times on this podcast and on on here on air. Big so advocates, big advocates for the electric. We're all for it, but I think Bill needs to come up with a bit of a better plan. As we said before, a bit more. It's going to affect three million jobs Australia wide. Yeah, yep. And it needs to have the infrastructure behind it. As Alan Jones pointed out, you know, you go through Leadville. Oh, what about Sydney? Yeah, forget yeah, about yeah, I know. Yeah. Forget yeah. about Perth. You know, we're pretty lucky in that respect. But you go to Sydney or inner Melbourne. Yeah. Forget it. There is no parking spots. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, even Ellenbrook. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to. I was just about to say Ellenbrook as well. There's a lot of unit development there and villa development where cars are parking out on and, the road. and this is the thing too right after going through the battle with uh, uh bayswater to try and stop those high-rise developments those high-rise developments had no provisions for parking spots mm. none not yep. a single parking spot yeah so what are you going to do if you've got an ev there mm. run the extension lead outside <laughs> i'm serious i'm not i'm not i'm being serious well, yeah, that's right. That's that's what that's what hasn't been thought of here as well. So, yep. Anyway, we, um, as I said, without repeating myself, we're not against what he said, but I think a lot more thought has to be put into it before it goes in as a policy. That's for sure. Yeah. On that note, we'll take a short break, and we'll be back right after this. 
Okay, welcome back. Um, Holly EFI Outlaw Streetcar Reunion was held over the weekend. Um, unfortunately, it was rain affected. Uh, however, we saw some outstanding um, performances there from Jamie Hancock in that nitrous uh, Pontiac GDO. Magnificent run, a 3.59, if you don't mind. He's the first guy to go into the 50s on a nitrous car. Yeah, I believe it's it's uh, powered by a 959 cubic inch Moosey motor. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah. so that's about the same size as all the Hyundai engines on the road put together. <laughs> I think, <laughs> pretty sure, 959 cubic inches. It's it's a it's big engine. No you know, when that, that engine starts, that had its own weather pattern above it. I'm sure. <laughs> How much night? I wonder how many bottles has got in it. I don't know. I don't that I don't know. But it was an amazing <laughs> run. I've actually seen the video. If you go to Facebook, um, you can see it there. Um, in the number two spot was Tim uh, Slavens. He ran a three point six six. Mark Mickey was in the number three spot with a three sixty six and a two. And Jack Green in fourth with a three six seven two. Um, so yeah, really interesting, and it's, he's the first guy um, to dip into the fifty. So it didn't take long. Anyway, look, I mean, yeah, we should we should also mention that's the first time a nitrous car's gone into the fifties, regardless of the tire. Yeah, that's slick, correct. Tire radial, and, and, and this is where the barrow. the slick the twenty six inch bicycle tire. This is where the argument about the slick versus the radial falls into a big heap, doesn't it? Mm, certainly does because yep. that is a nitrous car that has gone quicker on a small tyre mm. than on a big tyre. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um amazing feat. If you haven't seen the video, go watch it. Um, yeah, it's all I'm about the glue, Nick. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of glue down. This, yeah. this well, The other thing I forgot yeah, to mention... Yeah, we should get rid of the, the VHT, the traction compound, and go to contact cement. <laughs> what was that? I <laughs> might have to talk to Ray about this down at the Motorplex. <laughs> Listen, don't worry about using the VHT traction compound anymore. We're just going to squeeze you the track of uh, contact cement and then roll the tyres in. <laughs> or Velcro! Velcro, yeah. Get some slicks with Velcro on the outside and put some Velcro down on the track. Loctite 406. Yeah, a bit of red Loctite. A bit of red. Out. Uh, the other thing I forgot to mention, this is a Tyler Crossno promotion. So Tyler Crossno, um, season racer, season track prep, and season promoter as well. He's a jack of all trades, only a young fellow, and has um, done uh, put this event together. This was the first time it was... He bowling green in Kentucky at Beach Bend. Unfortunately, rain got the better of him on eliminations, and the event was cancelled. So we were unable to see who won that one. Since the recording of this podcast, event promoter Tyler Crosno has withdrawn all the results from this event. There has been a discrepancy with the time and equipment, and he has since withdrawn all results for all cars. With that in mind... Jamie Hancock's record run is no longer recognised and has since been withdrawn. While, while we're on the radio versus the world, mm. Stevie Fast, oh, he's done it again. Yeah, he has. He's, he's traded places with his Todd Tutoro, and I'm, as I said, I'm positive that they worked together, those two, at some point, but I, I, don't, I haven't got that information here with me, but... Todd won the first round of Pro Mod a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the two swap places. Stevie Fast back in that event came second. Uh, they switched places 
for this event. It was the NHRA Spring Nationals in Houston, Texas. Some amazing non-qualifiers. I don't want to dwell on the non-qualifiers too much, but there was a Mike Castellana yeah. who did not qualify. And Jason Shrugs. Did not qualify. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve Matusik did not qualify. Yeah, they're all guys you expect to be qualified in the in you know the very top top of the field. You know who Mike qualified? Multiple na- national record holders, those guys. And the other one, Ricky Smith, just got in. Tricky Six, Ricky Smith. 16th. So... There you go. Obviously, um, tricky, tricky track to get down, uh, but it was no problem for Stevie Steve Jackson. He actually broke the track record in the final, ran a five uh, five point six seven five. It's two hundred and fifty five. Crazy how quick and fast they're going with those roots buying cars now mm. over there. Yeah, just yeah. unbelievable. Yep. I mean, that, those guys. Are, you know, obviously, there's a bit in the track. There must be, must mm. be a bit in the in the track. Because, you know, that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and you know, congratulations to, to Steve. He's yeah. off to a good start. So he's come second and he's, he's won this, this event with two races in. So I'm really looking forward to how that unfolds over the year in the NHRA. Also, at the same event, first time in history, father and daughter mm-hmm. uh, qualifying number one for Top Fuel yeah, that's and correct. Nitro Funny Car. Yep, yep. Yep. Unfortunately, John Force wasn't able to go on and win the final. Brittany Force certainly did. Uh, and over in Funny Car, Robert Height would win. In yeah, which Car. is out of his team anyway. Yeah, that's right. So, look, it was good good for the Force family. It was a good now, event. Now, he was John Force's son-in-law. I, I think he still is. He still he? is? They're still, yeah? yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. just checking. Yeah. Just checking. I don't know. I'm not in there. <laughs> Because the- Todd's single, you know, if one of the forces <laughs> know, is available. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sounds all right. <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it, Todd? You know, because Alexa DeJuria, she's taken. She's spoken for. Yeah. Jesse James. Jesse James has got her, so mm-hmm. don't waste your time there. But you never know, one of the forces there. Yeah. A few to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> One's hooked up to an IndyCar driver. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't a Bobby Rahal's son, I thought. Don't know. Pretty sure, yeah, Bobby Rahal's son. Yep. All right, well, look, we'll bring this podcast to an end. Um, we need to thank a few people. Um, my apologies to young Kelly. I said her surname incorrectly last week, so it's Kelly Alavalis. Uh, my apologies, Kelly, but thanks for your voiceover. It's magnificent, and thanks for all your help. We also need to thank in particular Peter, Jimmy and Paul from 88.5 FM for all their, their support and uh, their feedback that they've given us um, and for getting us basically onto 88.5 FM where the valley comes alive. Thanks for all, all their help as well. It's been really good and we've had... I'd really like just to take the time right now and just thank everyone for all their support over the last week uh, that we've had. Uh, we've had a lot of I've had a lot of messages personally sent to myself um, thanking you guys as well for all you've done and and how how the the show came across and um, yeah it's it's been really great and we've had lots of support on Facebook on our website email on all the socials so really appreciate it and thanks for all your help 
I'm getting all teary-eyed, Nick. I'm no, not yeah. sure how to react. Yes. Sarcasm inserted there. Well, but no, a, look, I mean, all jokes aside, we did. We had a we had a live cross last Saturday morning from your place, and that was really great. I need a hug later. <laughs> <laughs> there, there. So, yeah, no, we really appreciate all your feedback. And keep the feedback coming, of course. Look, there was some commentary regarding... Um, there was some thoughts that potentially we'd be watering down some of the content. Oh, that's think, not going to happen. No, that's look, our bad. opinions are our opinions. And look, there's... And we don't play rugby. No. So <laughs> we can't get sacked. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, at the end of the day, um, you know, obviously with, with community radio comes certain responsibilities, but I think we'll, we'll adhere into those responsibilities before even on our podcast. So, you know, it, that that's our, our opinions won't change. Um, you know, obviously, this is a motoring, a motorsport podcast. So, you know, it's not, it's not all too political. We don't get too, we don't get too serious with things. We don't get too carried away with things. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Well, on that note, guys, we'll close this one here. Thanks for coming in, guys, and we need to thank. Also, Denver Parker, one more time. His interview was great tonight. Uh, we'll be having more... I'd like to add, we'll be having more interviews from the Andrew Grand Final. We'll we'll have some more of those lined up as well. Uh, we'll catch up with Kyle Putland in the coming episode. We'll also be catching up with Cole, uh, Colin Davis and also John Sarbo. They're locals in the area. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be catching up with them. Um, and, yeah, there's... A heap more content. Sonny, you getting up to anything in the future, Todd, in the um, next few I weeks? I believe, um, well, there'll be Collie I'm going to and Tiger Southwest on the same weekend, so I'll mm-hmm. try and cover both those up. Yep. I'll be reaching out to a few people beforehand, having a chat and seeing what I can sort of drum up and find out before the event. Hmm. And that's about all my radar at the moment. Yep. So. Yep. I, I can't tell you what I'm working on. Secret. Yeah, you're working on. He's told us. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't message us. It's a we secret. don't. We don't yeah. know anything. But there's stuff going on, guys. And if if anyone wants to give me some money, <laughs> just yeah. ring. Just ring us. Just contact ring. us. You know where to contact us. You can go to info i n f o at talk and power. Dot net, or you can message us on Facebook, it's Talk and Power, or you can go to our website, www.talkandpower.com.au, and contact us there, or you can contact us through the radio station as well. Their email address is there. If you go to the radio station on their website or Facebook page, you can contact us there as well. You know, I've just noticed that um, you're still staring at the camera, and the camera's not even recording. Yeah, I think it's run out of memory. No, you turned it off. Did I? Yeah. No, I started. I thought I started again. No, you didn't. (laughs) Well, that's great. Luckily, this is a radio show. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks to... 88.5 88.5 FM and where the valley comes alive. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.